Good evening, folks. Thanks again for joining us here on the Will and Dave Show. A quick little content advisory tonight before we get into things. We are going to be talking about some slightly more extreme political topics, and we're going to use some video clips in this episode that may contain some language. So just be aware of that as we get into the show tonight. Hey, Will. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It has been paradise. a week, my friend. It, is, it has been a week. That it has. <laughs> so I am sporting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think I can show you a view of it. I'm going to see if I can. Let me see if I can show you. Yeah. I am sporting. Nope, you can't. No. <laughs> that is that is some green screen technology right there. <laughs> that is some green screen wow. technology. Hold on, hold on. I can fix that. Wow. Oh, nope, not you. I don't want to change you. <laughs> That's what I, I want to say do. technical difficulties, but I'm finding it pretty amusing. It's technical difficult. I am sporting oh. a new desk. That's very fancy. That's you know, when you I think about it with that camera angle, whenever you make like a really good zinger, you can do like the whole office thing. You can just switch camera to that one and. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is my side profile is way less appealing than my front profile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we self-aware. Oh, gosh, I tell you. Life is a dream. Yes, I got a free desk. I got a call from Allison, whose voice you hear in the intro to this, who says, welcome to the Will and Dave show in a, this beautiful soprano voice. Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, you said our pastor had an old desk and he doesn't want it anymore. He wants it out of the building. Hmm. If you want it, you just have to come and get it. So I said, sure, what the heck? I like free stuff. Mm -hmm. And it has a leather top on the desk, as you saw in that photo. Well, that aside, very luxurious. As I figured out the technology. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I said, sure. And so on the way, was it on the way home? Mm -hmm. No, because I was driving. I don't do this anymore when I drive insurance (laughs) but when i got home i was looking up who are the most generous people in society today Mm -hmm. and i would ask you to take a guess except i i told you already which means you would have to act and fake it i could have guessed already but i'll let you tell me so the first one are millionaires and billionaires who give the most for any metric so per capita the is most that, amount is, of money, right? They give the most per person. Yeah, they just give the most amount of money. And next on the list are evangelical churches. Yeah, and the, and I'm I'm going to fathom a guess here that the reason that they do it is because they know that it achieves an end. Yeah. So for one, it's a business end. For one, it's, you know, if we do this, you know, our customers and those who, who look at Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and these will th- think they're really cool guys. Right. And evangelicals are doing it as they know that if, they, if they're generous in their community, that folks will show up at their church. Yeah. And they'll hear their message. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that that is a good thing in both cases. 
And I... yet, and yet well, I mean, hold on, I'm going to finish. I'm going to set you up. I'm, I'm going to set you up for your for your rebuttal. Okay. Okay. And yet, when I said that this afternoon, when we were talking, your one eyebrow was going higher and higher and higher. And if you didn't have a receding hairline, it would have disappeared entirely oh, under your hair. Rude, rude. <laughs> so, so what's your pushback? Well, my first pushback is you made the comment at the very beginning of your story there by any metric that millionaires and billionaires give the most. I don't think that's correct. I, again, I don't have numbers in front of me. This is me spitballing because you only told me this a little while ago. Um, excuse me. Pure mon- like money amount, like numbers, purely numerical, I'm sure they do give the most, inevitably. Um, I don't know if they give the most as a percentage of their total wealth. Yes, they do. I would be intrigued. But what I my rebuttal is... It's really nice that they're giving to all these these charities and you know whatever social services they're giving this money to, et cetera. What I would love to see is uh, I would love to see if the amount they're giving is even remotely close to the amount of taxes they dodge on a yearly basis. It'd be nice if they pay their taxes too. So you said that to me earlier and mm-hmm. I bit my tongue. I said one thing to you and I said, so you think that the government is a better manager of money no, than Warren Buffett, and that it, no, and that it can do more good with it than Warren Buffett. I would never think that. So then, but why should they pay any more than they have to in tax? I'm not wanting them to pay any more than they have to in tax. I'm wanting them to pay their fair share of tax. The majority of billionaires yes. pay substantially less in taxes than the average citizen. Because there are ways to avoid it. And they're good at it. That's why they're billionaires. Yes. But they also give more money away than the average person. Yes, because they can. Because it looks good. Because it makes people hate them less for being billionaires. So the reasons are not really important if the end result is they give more money away. Yes and no. See, this is the thing, though. They're giving money away to all these private foundations because it it looks really good. Especially in the States, you have an infrastructure like schools they could really use that tax money that just isn't there i'm gonna lay dollars to donuts and mm-hmm. i like donuts yeah. not a fan of tim horton's donuts but you know that's a good call i'm gonna lay dollars to donuts that mr bill gates i bet he donates more money into education than he ever would pay in taxes and education. I Bill Gates might be an outlier just because Bill Gates is the most prolific philanthropist in the history of the planet. As far as I know, he still holds that title. Yeah. But I would argue that the vast majority of millionaires and billionaires do not. I think you'd be surprised. I think you should research I, that one. I think, yeah, that one would denote some research because I am far too cynical to believe that. And, and this is the other half of that, is when you look at millionaires and billionaires... The mm-hmm. reason they are millionaires and billionaires is because they do smart things with their money. And so if, yeah. if they look at paying any more in tax, then they have to. I don't think the vast majority are not evaders of tax. Uh, they pay the minimum that they have to. And they, they use every option they can to avoid paying them. Yes, absolutely. And so that's, do you and so do I. Well, yes and no. I avoid paying extra in taxes, but I still pay my due. 
you pay the least amount that you have to. And so do they. Within reason. I don't have the money to like siphon. I don't, I don't have enough money to do it or enough money for it to be worth, say, sloughing my money off into some sort of shell corporation or spending it in something that isn't really spending it in a way to in an effort to avoid taxes or getting it, you know, out of the country to avoid paying tax on it. I don't do any of that stuff. And that is a tax. Those are various tactics, not specific ones, because I'm not that good at it or, or have that deep of an understanding of of these sort of tax loopholes. But they are abused by almost every mega wealthy person. OK, I want to go back to the word abuse that, the, that you just used, mm-hmm. because you're saying there are loopholes yeah. and they use them and you're saying saying that by using them, they're abusing them. Even though they're Maybe there, they're legal, the right and word. they're there. I don't think that they should exist. I think it's it does a okay. great disservice to the country and the average taxpayer that people who are rich enough can avoid paying their share of taxes because okay. they're rich enough to find ways to do it. So I'm going to go one more level into this and okay. say that who do you hire in your course of your everyday work? Who do I hire? Who do you hire? People? No. I don't know. I don't know. You don't own a company, so you don't hire anybody. No. So none of your income is going into other other people's pockets. No. And none of those folks are paying any taxes. No, because there are none of them. Right. Right. Whereas if you're Bill Gates, you pay hundreds of millions of dollars a year in wages, which help other people. And all of them all pay tax. Yeah. So he is creating income for the government and for others. And I think that there is an argument. And this is an argument you see from the right, is that if you encourage business, you will make more money through through. We through all keep of taxation. saying that, and it keeps not working. I think that is a great strategy for the guy at the top. It is not a great strategy for the guys farther down that totem pole. I, the I guy who, who wants strongly to be at the top, disagree. Who likes it? That's fine, but no, I, I I do not think that is a sound argument at all. <laughs> in 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 any way, shape, or form. <laughs> uh, so Tim has to go watch the grandkids. Fair enough. They're far more interesting than us. Oh, I don't know. Tonight could be good. You can always catch it on YouTube. So here's the thing, Will. And we're going to get on to the real topic here after our sponsors. But it is a far cry from what you are creating for the federal government, either your country or mine, Mm -hmm. than what Bill Gates is creating for the federal government. Mm-hmm. It's a far cry. And so yeah. you say, but he should pay his fair share. Yeah. And I think he would argue that he does, and he gives money away. And he feels that he gives his money away because he is better at it. I than don't the know how Bill Gates runs it. Warren Buffett. I, or or any, any billionaire. All I know is that I keep reading articles talking about how the world's wealthiest get away with paying the least taxes because they can push their money around and avoid it through various loopholes. Yes. And they're loopholes that p- 
people know about, yes. but nobody will close because the people with the money don't want them closed. And yet those loopholes are legal <clears throat> loopholes. And so therefore we shouldn't be. They shouldn't They're be. And again, that could be They're another argument. should be plugged. And, and that could be an argument. But yeah. I, I think that we need to look at the, at the generosity of the rich and wish I, we were more like them. This, this is probably one of the most, <laughs> most extreme progressive feelings I have or beliefs that I have. I firmly believe that there is very, very little reason for any human being to have more than a billion dollars. If you have more than that, you just shouldn't. I, I don't think there's any moral justification for being a Jeff Bezos with half a trillion dollars to his name. Obviously not cash, but still. That is more money than he could feasibly spend in a lifetime if he tried really hard to spend it in a lifetime. That is global economy changing levels of money. Oh, and I just absolutely. I see it's more yeah, than a lot it, of countries. Exactly. And I yes. see and so you'll you'll find me hard pressed to trust people who have that much money, like my hand in the screen, or certainly trust their moral compass. But I see, I have no sympathy for them. I see I see no reason not to bleed them of every dollar past that billion mark because I think that it is, I th I, I don't believe that it's morally. So we're going to write this as one of our topics. As it's I a great think idea this is for a topic. big topic. As I think I think it goes yeah. into who you are and who I am. As I have yeah. so much pushback on that, and I don't want to get into mm -hmm. that at the moment, as that's not our main topic tonight. But. I think that's a great one because I it's, wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. There, there's, there's a, if I make, thing? If I make if a dollar enough, or a trillion dollars, if I make it, why should anybody else have it? If I don't want to give it to them. That's very true. That is very, very true. The thing, there's a saying, I'm trying to remember how it goes. I remember is if I think it means it, when you're, when, when you have money, you shouldn't make your fences higher. You should make your table longer. Have you heard? Uh, I, don't, I don't think, I think I feel like I'm butchering it, but I've heard it. Yes. Yeah, when I see people with this much money, yes, they're making their fences higher. I, I don't want to tell them what to do with their money, but I wish there was a way to impress upon them that they just simply don't need that much money, and they could literally, like this is not a figure of speech, people like Bezos mm -hmm. could change the world. People like Bill Gates are changing the world. He throws his money around and his name around. Like I'm not saying Bill Gates is perfect. There's lots of questionable things that Bill Gates is involved in, in terms of like, using his money to push policies that he agrees with. But I would like to think that the policies that he's trying to push are, in his mind at least, net beneficial. He's trying to do something with his money, even if you don't agree with what he's doing with his money. He's trying to do more than just sit on a pile of cash and be rich for the rest of his life. I don't want this to turn into a, a pro-Bill Gates thing because i'm not i don't have perfectly fuzzy feelings about bill gates or everything that he does but he i'm just using him as an example in that regard i just yeah i have a hard time justifying anyone needing that much money that's that's all that's all i really got up on that rant now we can actually get into tucker carlson sorry to leave you hanging there will but my tucker uh, clucking carlson but my camera died Hmm. And so I jumped off screen and dumped you on. If uh, I had stretched that 10 seconds longer, no one would have known. There you go. It's all good. I lost an earbud, so I'm down to one ear. Fighting. <laughs> so, yeah, my world is falling apart. So, yeah, so Pretty we want to get into Tucker Carlson. And it, I want to give a little bit 
have a backstory here. So about a week ago, you phoned me or you texted me or messaged me or, or something. You communicated with me in some mm-hmm. some digital fashion and said, hey, Dad, yeah. I just watched a John Oliver episode on Tucker, <laughs> on Tucker Carlson. Carlson. It, it, and it's a little bit extreme, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminded me of why I hate Tucker Carlson. And I, yeah. I pushed back a little bit and... As you do, as I do, and and I have to say I'm not a fan of Tucker Carlson, and so it it's a little bit of work for me to push back <laughs> against Tucker Carlson. It just is. I I find him annoying. But a few days later, I get a message from a friend of ours, from Tim Vandenhoodle, who you see on the screen, and number one fan Tim, number one fan Tim, and he said, "Hey Dave, I know that neither of you <laughs> have much appreciation for Tucker Carlson, but hey, what do you think of this clip?" So why don't we begin with that, with that clip? Yeah, let's let's start with Tucker's clip. It's funny Trudeau always seemed like a cheerful idiot, wearing weird costumes and yammering on about diversity. Who knew he was Mussolini? There might be a lesson here for other nations that are led by shallow neoliberal empty suits. Okay. So I want to go on the record as saying that. Th- the folks at Fox News are the first ones who jump on all over the left who compare any individual on the right with Hitler. And they jump all or over neo-Nazis the Nazis in general. Yeah, and they say, oh, you know, that's not who we are. And you and you associate everybody with Hitler. And and then he pulls out the Mussolini card. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's lots of names you could call Trudeau. Yes. Much more appropriate ones. Uh, Mussolini is not one of them. No. We're but a far cry from that. He does have a point. So I'll... So why don't you um, lay out the theme of that? Okay. Well, that clip alone doesn't show it. We can't show you the whole clip because we we're going to get demonetized because it's, it's too long. But over the course of that particular piece where he's talking about Justin Trudeau, uh, he references um, the new Canadian policy for international travel where you have to get a COVID test both prior to departure and once you've arrived. And you have to get both of those cleared. And you have to wait in a designated government quarantine uh, uh, facility or area, whatever it is. The key word there being designated. Now, Tucker extrapolates from that that, oh, so an internment facility, which it's, it's, it's not. A hotel room is not an internment facility. We learned this a few weeks ago when we talked about the lady, the, the pastor's wife who was being held. And he was going on about it, you know, being forcibly confined in a room with no outside contact while she was posting about it on Facebook. And then the language that Tucker uses throughout the clip is a continue. So he's like, oh, so it's like an internment facility. And then he refers to it as an internment camp. And then he refers to it, I think, as a cell at one point. And he basically just incrementally escalates the language with which he describes the treatment. And there's always, it's it's just a stepping stone. And he just works his way up to it being this Mussolini comment. And it goes from... So, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. As I look for the Mussolini comment, as I was watching the episode again, and I had to find it at the beginning of the episode. And oh, did I have it backwards? Back a little bit. 
Okay, I might have had those backwards. On. He did not actually get he, the bill. He did use the escalating language, though. That's, yes, that's the big thing I want to focus language. on. I, yes. I apologize if I got my timeline yes. backwards there, but the escalating language is something that I drew issue with. And it's... It would be one thing if it was just something that I see now and then. But it's something that it is a regular thing in Tucker's repertoire that I've seen is he takes something that's happened that he doesn't agree with or that he doesn't like or that his audience doesn't like. And then he'll incrementally make it sound worse and worse and worse. In this case, this clip is only I only watched half of it. So three minutes long. And he went from I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, you watched half. And you texted me and you said, I can only watch it in two parts because I'm so angry that I can't finish it yet. <laughs> well, I just needed to, I needed to digest the first bit. <laughs> to which I Anyways. said, do not get <clears throat> emotional. <laughs> Excuse me. Do I look emotional? No, you're doing very well now. Thank you. Anywho. Anywho. The incremental language, it's just subversive to me. And the fact that throughout this entire thing that I watched... So the, the whole three minutes, and this is a regular thing for Tucker, yes. he doesn't cite anything. Now, what he's saying is not necessarily false. He's very, like, it's very good in the sense that it's not false. They are being required to be held. And there are times that people are falling through the cracks. People are forgetting, to, uh, they're not being fed appropriately. Or, or their uh, COVID tests need to be redone because there's a problem. So they're stuck there. Those are all bad things. No pushback from me on that. It's the way in which Tucker communicates it is where he ramps it up from this thing that is not good, but relatively innocuous. You have to stay in a hotel room till you get your test results back. Okay. If, if I'm going to be on the screen, I have to push a little bit on that. Okay. Number one, he cites a lot of sources. He plays a lot of... Like he sometimes he does in this particular case, people he who wrote didn't. this, who said this, and I have, I have equal issue with some of the sources he had. There was sort of like the pastor guy, who just mm-hmm. rambling on, and I didn't appreciate yeah. that, but it was not the. He used sources, except I'll agree with you. He used sources with the emphasis on using, yes, to further so the, a viewpoint. The, the few sources that he used in that three-minute clip, like talking about the one gentleman, I can't remember the exact details, but he was saying, and one gentleman has even come forward as saying that you know, he wasn't fed for 24 hours. And it throws that text up on the screen in quotations. He may very well have gotten, or, or Fox News may have gotten an email from a gentleman. But that is the extent of the evidence that we know. We have one man's word that this is what happened. Just like what happened with that whole pastor's wife on Facebook as everyone was sharing just the husband's word, which was not true. It was way off the mark. And so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to draw comparisons now here between this, which is hyper right-wing reporting. And we want to balance that out with some hyper left-wing reporting. And for that, we picked John Oliver with last week tonight. Preserve our heritage and culture. That is direct. In fact, his pre-written caption there, we have to fight to preserve our nation and heritage, drew a lot of comparisons to the 14 words, the famous white supremacist slogan that says, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. And when you put the two together, there is, you know, a slight similarity there. 
I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. Two things. Two things. Number <laughs> I'm one. I'm just saying. That's a stretch. Like that. That's a. I love John Oliver and Last Week Tonight, and that is a stretch. So uh, I love John two, Oliver too, for different reasons. But yes, the I'm just saying. Tucker does that so much too. I'm just asking questions. I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking questions. Part since we've already got some language in here, I'm I'm gonna let fly tonight because well, feel there like wasn't I've, actually I've any language in either one of those. I I got clips with no Bloody. language, so fix. People who say that, the whole, I'm just saying, or just asking questions, or just something to think about, take that comment, right? I don't mean to offend you, but... Yeah, if you write it on a piece of paper and and fold that piece of paper six or seven times, douse it in olive oil, shove it up your rectum, because sick of it. I'm so, so sick of it. It is is the, the crappy pseudo-intellectual version of bless your heart and if i just, read if i read your attitude correctly the olive oil oil is optional the olive oil is optional i'm trying to save you a paper cut it's it's purely me being nice to you it's not for my it, it's yeah it's here's just here's that the thing. sentiment can just shove it really and i tell you this on a regular basis will and you'll and you'll admit it because it's true is all of these guys, Oliver, Sean Hannity, um, obviously you can look at Tucker Carlson. Mm. All of them are talking heads. Yes. They they all are professional actors or actresses. Mm-hmm. They all are doing this for a job. And the way that they win at their job is if they get viewers. And yes. the way they get viewers are, are if they say things that their viewers connect with. Yes. So my question to you is, and this is where we really differ, is when you look at Tucker Carlson, he is the the number one show in America. On cable. Yes, on cable. The number one on radio up and up until he passed away was Rush Limbaugh, which is even worse than Tucker. So let's so when we look at who listens to these, who one would argue agrees with them. Your word to me this afternoon was he is dangerous. This afternoon? Yeah, when we were texting. Yesterday, yesterday yesterday, I was talking about Tucker being dangerous. Yeah, I do agree with that. He's dangerous. And when... I'll stand by that statement. So when I hear you say he is dangerous... Mm-hmm. What you imply when you say he is a danger, either to society or to whoever, you are saying that he shouldn't be there. No, I am not. Well, I, I made this clear to you yesterday, and I want to clarify that to anyone listening. Me saying that he's dangerous doesn't mean I don't want him to exist or don't want his show to exist. Well, I don't want it to be accepted so easily. I don't seek him to be silenced i seek people to be educated about what he's talking about so he's sort of like a knife he's good for society in the right hands no i don't think he's good for society at all but i don't like the idea of censoring him for two reasons one because i don't love censorship in general and two because i don't want to become a martyr that'll make it even harder to get rid of the stupid things that he says if people you know are like oh my god they shut tucker down i mean we thought that was going to happen with alex jones and it didn't probably because you know alex jones is a butthead 
but <laughs> uh, no love lost there either. <laughs> I just like how you're cleaning it up. <laughs> you're putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. That's right. Yeah. Here's the uh, thing that that we go round and round on and we'll off air and we probably won't on air as much as we do off air, but so your new niece, my new granddaughter, mm-hmm. we love her. We want the best in the world for her. Mm-hmm. And if her mom was doing anything that was, that was unsafe, mm-hmm. you and I would go to her and say, Hey, you can't do that. She's going to die. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Hang a guardrail at the edge of, of the stairs or do whatever. The, the implications is that she should not do that. Yeah. If you're referring to a, a, an infant, I mean, you're referring it to somebody. Where if there I look is at a somebody ice skating, their, if I look at somebody ice skating, doesn't do up their chin strap. Right. I'm not going to stop them from doing it. Everyone who sees them doing it is going to think less of them for doing it because it's stupid. That doesn't mean they're not going to do it or, or that I'm going to like physically stop him on the ice and be like, uh-uh, no, chin strap, do it up or you're out of here. It's not an apples to apples comparison that you're making. But wouldn't you say that when you say that a viewpoint is a danger? Yeah. You're opening the door to somebody saying, oh, if it's dangerous. Okay. Uh, okay, I should clarify. It's okay. not the viewpoint that's dangerous. It's how he says it that's dangerous. This is something that I want to get into about how these two sides, while they are both making stretches and both saying diametrically opposed things, I think there's a, a, a very definitive difference in the delivery that, that's worth uh, talking about. I don't disagree. Like a lot of the points that Tucker Carlson brings up, you know, questioning things that AOC did or things that Trudeau did. Very valid. Totally valid. It's the language with which he does it, like that escalating language I was talking about where he equates the confinement to a hotel room with Internet access and the ability to call room service if you need it to an internment camp. Those are not the same thing. And to use that language within a matter of minutes to equate them as the same thing is... I think wholly uh, disingenuous is not strong enough of a word. I think it's underhanded and sneaky. I'm crossing my arms in my (laughs) smug dad mode because he has the highest viewership of any cable. Just because he's dad. And you're saying that Jake Paul on YouTube. I'm not saying all of them are wrong. I'm saying that Tucker Carlson is saying it in very gnarly ways. Look at Jake Paul. Just because someone is popular and viewed the most does not mean they are healthy or good for society in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I will give you that. <laughs> I will give you Popularity that. Popularity does not does not denote quality of I content or that. character. I will give you um, that. Yeah. I will concede it's, that point. Yeah. So <laughs> two significant things that I wanted to make note of. Number one is that, the subversiveness of it. Nothing that John Oliver says is subversive. It's pretty straightforward we hate this, do not like, do not want. And that's, it, it's relatively straightforward in that regard. He might have a build up to it, but it's build up usually for a punchline sake rather than uh, to actually like play with the audience's uh, uh, um, interpretation of things. 
which leads me to the second bit, which is that John Oliver is also a comedic show. And so John Oliver making these grandiose statements, whoops, sorry, is oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes for a punchline or because it's HBO. Tucker is the news. So Tucker calling Trudeau, what did he call him? An idiot wearing costumes. John Oliver would call somebody an idiot because it's funny when he does it in a British accent and he'll, he'll get a lot of laugh out of his audience. Tucker Carlson does not have an audience in that sense. And he's not trying to get a laugh. He's being vitriolic. I think there's a, a it's still oh, name calling. Like oh, it's still name oh. calling. Well, I think you can look <laughs> at John Oliver. He's very much a political figure but, along the lines yes, of John Stewart. I would agree. So he's using a different medium, but it, it is yeah. it is every every bit about as much as promoting an agenda. Oh yeah, I still think it's promoting Carlson. agenda. I agree. The medium but, is different. I don't think there's as much venom in the medium. Well, that's because you're still laughing venom. when he calls Trudeau, when he calls Tucker Carlson names. But this leads me to the other thing, though. Yes. Is when both sides make a call for action. Yes. When John Oliver makes a call for action against something, like, what's an example? When Trump was originally being elected and they were going on about how his great-grandfather or whatever was actually an immigrant, immigrant, sorry? Yes. And his name was Drumpf. Not yes. Trump. Yes. And he was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Hashtag, let's make Drumpf again. And so they usually have a pinpointed and laser focused call to action on that show, whether it's voting, whether it's writing a congressman, whether it's whatever these different actions are, right? Whereas Tucker Carlson's idea of a call to action is things like prior to the Capitol Hill riots, he's not. He seems like we need to fight about these things or we need to stand up for ourselves. And he's very open-ended, very, it's not begging the question, but do you, do you get what I'm, I'm do you picking up what I'm laying down here in the sense that Tucker Carlson is, is leaving an open door for interpretation as to how you should fight back or how you should stick I, up for yourself and stand up for yourselves. I and he knows, hear what you're laying he down. knows what his audience well, he, he knows what the extreme part of his audience is going to extrapolate from that. He knows it because they are on air. There are people on air. I obviously don't have clips with me. People like the clip that I showed you the other day or that was on John Oliver's show. Yes. With the, uh, the, uh, the Grand Wizard of the KKK talking about how much he loves Tucker Carlson's show. There is no way in this world that Tucker and the people who run his show don't know how well loved they are by those extremists. And he still leaves those open-ended things. And he only corrects those things or walks them back when they are in trouble or recently in trouble. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. As you're drawing a correlation in between the, the figurehead and who listens or who appreciates what they do. Yeah. So I'm going to use an example that, that I don't know that a lot of folks know, but there is a huge following in the, in the LGBTQT plus LGBTQ. Community. You were very close. Community for mm -hmm. Amy Grant. Huge. Yep. Huge yep. community who follows Amy Grant, her music, her ministry, her art. Mm -hmm. 
I can almost promise you, almost 100% promise you, that if you were to ask Amy Grant if she was in support of that that lifestyle, she wouldn't mm-hmm. be. But she just wouldn't be. It gets not. It isn't a part of her faith. Right. She loves them, yes, but she's not I, in support. I, so I do want to. Let me finish. Sorry. Yeah, I'll let you then finish you can first. push back. Yeah. So her fans, who loves her music, who agrees with her message, who like her life, who are her fans, a lot of them are not folks that she would approve of their lifestyle, and they probably know that she doesn't approve of it. Yeah. She never comes out and says... You know, I am for the LGBTQ, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she never comes out and says, I don't like them. It just is, it's a part of her fan base. Yeah. For Tucker, he has the following. Apparently, I haven't researched this, although I'm going to assume that what you say is true, that he has a huge following. Well, it was, in the white there was a clip of it in that last week tonight. Uh, episode they yeah. used a radio clip from the uh whatever that guy's name was that was in the kkk right as a grand wizard so because they like him you are saying and you did say well they can't help but but know that they like his show well and i <laughs> would argue that absolutely he knows and they know that they like his show but it has no bearing it should show. why because it has no bearing on be amy rec- grant and her music this is the other thing, and you actually you said it in the sense that you think that the people who who are watching or who love Amy Grant's music probably know that she doesn't support that uh, doesn't support their life choices. Yes. Uh, Tucker Carlson and the people who make his show absolutely know, and the people that watch Tucker Carlson's show think that he supports their choices that's the prime differentiator i would argue that i don't the, he has come did you watch the last said, week tonight yes he he may come out but i'm saying that the people who watch him yeah. they are convinced convinced not all obviously I'm, I'm this is broad strokes the extremists that watch tucker carlson believe that tucker carlson supports them he just can't say it outright there are he's, extremists he's, he's, who believe that Amy Grant is gay, probably. It doesn't mean they're right. <laughs> yes, but... It just uh, means that they're extremists. They're ones who have radio shows, and they're ones who show up to rallies. But but you cannot judge the artist or the person. No, and we, but I can uh, judge the artist for not acknowledging it when he is helping to... When people who are doing these awful things love him so much that they talk about how much they love him... And the fact that he can't take the time to different to separate himself as much as he can. So you want as to tell much me as he can. That there I'm is sure not Tucker a bunch of said, Antifa folks out there, and I don't know who Antifa is, and I use the word very carefully. But there are people term, on yeah. the extreme left who don't use a John Oliver movie or clip. And say, look what John Oliver just said. Look at this. They might, okay, but none of us, none of us on the left, nobody oh, don't I know, say none, none that I know, none that I know of. There is no way that if 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 a, if a hyper left winning group came out, it did something awful, drove over somebody with a car at a rally, 
and said, we love last week tonight. It was our inspiration. You can bet last week tonight would come out of the gate swinging that they had nothing to do with it, that they would never support it and all these different things. Tucker Carlson can barely muster an effort to say that he had nothing to do with inciting or, or no part to play in inciting the Capitol Hill riots or that his show might be detrimental and might be inspiring people to do awful things. That's think, what I'm saying is that I think you the give knowledge that their viewers him way more credit, whether it's him personally or the people running his show. I think you he's give still a Fox figurehead News for too it. much credit. I think that Fox News knows exactly why people watch their show and they know exactly how dangerous it is. There's no way they're okay. that smart. <laughs> okay, we're back and, to and, that word. If it's dangerous, yes, you open the door for somebody to say, oh, you have to wear a helmet if you ride a bike now because it's dangerous. That's on them then to say that. What I'm saying is that their actions are dangerous. But th- th- this is the difference though. This isn't like, this isn't like putting a, a fork in a light socket dangerous. This is like... This is like driving drunk dangerous because it's not just you, the person Whoa. who's doing the stupid thing. No, 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 no. Let me finish. Okay. It is not just they're, – what they're doing is not a risk to them directly. What they're doing is potentially causing risk to others. And so I think there is a certain level of responsibility to speak up against it. Not to say they can't do it, but to make sure that everyone knows that they're doing it and to step back a little bit. Let me – let me step you back to what you said there. You equated what what Tucker did Drunk level of was danger. A perfect metaphor. But but the danger you're saying it is the kind of danger for drunk driving. Is you're gonna hurt other that, people. Yeah, in the sense that it's not just a risk to you, it's the risk to the people around you. If you knew your friend was driving drunk, you would stop them. Now, I'm not saying we need to stop Tucker Carlson. I want to be very, very clear. I'm not saying stop it. I'm not saying boycott. I'm not saying get him off the air. I'm saying we need people to be more educated about the crap that he's saying. But when you use that sort of language, when John Oliver uses that sort of language that says he is a danger to society, he is hurtful to society, he is... Mm -hmm. Verbally in support of right of white supremacists. Yep. When you say or at that, least seems un- incapable of condemning them. Which I would argue, although I don't have any clips to prove it, I'm going to look them up this week. I'm going to bring it to next. He week. might say it. He might say it. But the 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 overarching message of his show is welcoming to them. He invites their support. When you go out and you say they are a danger to society, you open the door to say you shouldn't do it anymore because it's dangerous. Okay. So when you say it's sort of like the idea of the danger that this is, is sort of like a drunk driver. Which I admit was not the best metaphor choice, but let's roll with it for now. But that idea that it is even anywhere close to that dangerous. In terms of direct if, danger, I don't think it is. In terms of magnitude, I think his show is worse. Either way. Than a drunk driver. 
if it's a direct or if it's indirect, is you are saying this is such a huge issue. It is so dangerous. Yep. As soon as you do that and you use the danger word and it's not good, you open the door for a left-leaning government, i.e. a Trudeau, or if there's an AOC in a government or somebody who's like that to say, ooh, we don't want that on the air because it's dangerous. And I would say it's the wrong word. I would say you don't agree with it? Absolutely. You don't like it? Absolutely. Dangerous. Uh, Insightful? Uh, Not insightful. No, that's that's the wrong word. I don't think you want to say Tucker Carlson's insightful. No. (laughs) Tucker Carlson and shows like his open the door for right-wing extremism. They hold the door open for right-wing extremism. And I do not think that there are very many left-leaning shows that hold the door open for left-wing extremism in even close to the same way. Oh, I, I don't think, think that, I could find you I think that I think examples. that many of the political ideals, okay, not of big ones though, not like the big shots like like last week tonight. You might find some fringe ones, some oddballs. But Man, even Will. then, even then, they while the political ideas that they may propagate in terms of like what bills they want to have passed, who they want to vote for and things, why they may be just as extreme. The way in which they inspire their their fans and their viewers, I think are drastically different. A last week tonight does not is not base its 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 arguments on rhetoric. It bases its arguments on the data that it's gathered. That's why during the show they constantly have clips uh audio files or they do cutouts from the actual paperwork on the show so you can see it and so that you can source it yourself if you feel the need to and i'm not saying tucker doesn't but he doesn't nearly enough for the strength of the rhetoric that he pushes out i think the reason you don't like him is because he is the loudest voice in the room no i don't like him john oliver had the following you would like him a lot more and you no. wouldn't worry about a Tucker Carlson. Whoops, I just knocked my water over. And you wouldn't no, worry about I, a Tucker I, Carlson. I worry about a Tucker Carlson because he is popular. If Tucker Carlson was a little two-bit radio show, I could write him off. I could just like, okay, whatever. So he's nuts. It's fine. But it's the fact that someone like Tucker Carlson can rise to such a point of popularity and of respectability. He shouldn't be that respectable. Like, there, there is, there is no, there is no world in what, in where a show like Tucker Carlson should be taken at face value, and people should not be digging deeper. But that's what they do. If you watch, like when I watch a, a John Oliver, I'm not, even though he cites more sources, I'm still not taking him at face value. I'm still not treating it like some sort of gospel. And too many people treat a Tucker Carlson like that. There has to be. People just need to be more aware that what Tucker Carlson is selling you is a rhetoric. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, you should still dig deeper than the rhetoric. And I would say that people do. I don't think that that many people do, Dad. Or they wouldn't just be sharing Tucker Carlson clips. So two people who I think are fairly intelligent. The one is your uncle. And the other one... Is our number one fan. 
who are fairly intelligent. Now, what they share on the internet is not always fairly intelligent, and I'll I'll give you credit there. So, Tim, don't share any more Tucker Carlson <laughs> on the internet. But th- they are both fairly reasonable people. Yes, they are. Each of them are Tucker Carlson fan, and here's why. And I'm going to give you a reason why. He says the things that each of them think. On a massive, on a huge audience. So the idea of these internment camps. Yes, I don't agree with his wording of the internment camp, but it is every bit an internment. It is internment. You can name it an internment hotel. Yeah. You can Absolutely. name it an internment room. Uh, yeah. You could name it an internment camp if you want to be if you want to be divisive. But it very much is enticing. But it very much is internment. It very much is wrong if you believe in the right view that what he is doing is wrong. So what he says, this whole thing about the internment, he thinks is wrong. You are yes. saying that what he's saying, how he says that, yes, is wrong because he is saying it in a language that is escalating. It is one thing to say, "Hey, these people are being forcibly interned," right? Yes, for whatever reasons they're being interned for, and that's not right. The Constitution says this; we probably shouldn't do that. That is fine. That is okay, but when he says this is internment, it's just like the camps. And then he equates Trudeau to Mussolini. Not in that order. Obviously, he did the Mussolini yes. thing first. Yeah. He is drawing comparisons between these extremes. It is insightful. Not insightful as in it is good for you to as it, or, or, or good to learn. He is inciting it, people. It's he I-N-C-I-T-E-F-U-L. Insightful. Yeah, he is, See, I know how to spell. He is escalating the situation as best he can because it gets views. Because but he also is saying what the folks on the right are thinking will. Well, the folks on the right should stop thinking that they're like internment camps. It's but, a hotel room. But it's will. A bloody hotel room. It's mandatory. Yeah. There are issues with it. Yeah. And there are lawsuits w- which say it's unconstitutional. Then let's fight those lawsuits. Stop comparing it to internment camps. But. You just agreed that it was internment. It is internment. It is not an internment camp. An internment camp implies that you're getting stuck behind a fence without access to the outside world, without an ability to talk to relatives or get food. You can still order a pizza. You can Zoom call your grandmother. You can do all these things. It's it's, you're forced to be in a hotel room. Now, we can debate whether or not it's right to be forced to stay in that hotel room. That is fine. Stop equating it to some sort of subhuman treatment that we dealt to people not even a full century ago. They are not the same thing. And that kind of language comparing the two, just like I don't like the left constantly calling people on the right Nazis and neo-Nazis. There are Nazis and neo-Nazis, but... In the same way that those comparisons are purely there for the sake of, of making a schnazzy headline or clip or whatever and to incite people and to escalate, Tucker oh, Carlson oh, does it. Boy. And Tucker Carlson does it really, really well, and I don't like it. 
He does it really well, but there's a reason why he is the number one viewed show is because he says what the people are thinking. See, I don't agree. You don't agree? I don't agree. I think that he starts where he starts that escalation at the bottom of that little that little ladder that he climbs yeah. up of language. Yeah. I believe that people are there. He's pulling them up the ladder. He is being like, come on mm. up the ladder. It's not that bad. Look at this. This is intense. I the like just look at you and me and our conversations here. Yes. We talk about these things that that prior to getting on the air or prior to discussing them on air, we hold very diametrically opposed viewpoints, but there's always a middle ground and it's usually not nearly as fantastical or as extreme as both of us originally felt. We're having a hard time finding it tonight. We are. <laughs> and what I'm saying is that applies to most people. Like when we had Ann Dick out on the show to talk yes. about mental health, I was really worried going into that because I, my, my views on mental health and, and mental health treatment are very secular. And what we found is that while she does have a Christian perspective, a lot of the methods are the same. And there was a lot of, 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 of enmeshing of ideas there. They were not as far apart as we thought they were. Yes. And I would think that where people on the right are in you know, their thoughts on this internment and whatnot is not that far from me. Cause I don't like, I am more supportive of some sort of measures. I don't think these are the right measures. And I think that the lawsuits are valid and need to be worked out by the government or by, by the courts rather. So the starting point of, of, of Tucker's rhetoric, the, the very beginning where he talks about them being forced containment or internment, go with that, talk about that. But when he starts escalating the language, he is just, he is actively growing the divide well, between I, people and ideals. I think a part of it is the fact that he has to do, he has to, he has to do a segment for 15 minutes. So he has to yeah. fill 50 minutes. Man, so how do you do that? I wish if you that say, he here's could what it is. And these are all the reasons why it's wrong. Now he do that. Then had he left out the Mussolini bit, I probably wouldn't have, would have been okay with about 90% of what he said because all of it see, was true. The hallways are lined could... in plastic. They do walk yes, around in hazmat suits. They yep. are not allowed to leave. Yep. Mind your you, fearless this leader, all... your fearless like... leader opened it up and said that they, it is not internment. You, you're not forced to stay there, and that is not true because you are forced it's, to stay there. You're forced when you make the decision to take the test and take the flight. Once you've made that decision, nobody's forcing you to fly. No, except if you fly into Canada, you are... Yes. You are interned. Yeah. <laughs> in Until a hotel where yeah. the halls are lined with plastic, mm -hmm. they walk around in hazmat mm -hmm. suits, you are taken there in a van, you're not allowed... Use yeah. an Uber to get there. That's kind of the purpose of quarantine, yeah. You have to pay for it. So it's a bill out of your pocket. So Again, you chose to take the flight. Absolutely, you chose to take the flight. Yeah, it and, is, and it's not like it's not like none of this is like for most people. I'm sure there were some people at the beginning of it that got caught by surprise, but for most people, you know going into your flight, this is what you're going to have to deal with. You don't want to get me going on that 
because it leads us into even the further grab for power that says, we don't want you to travel. If you do, we're going to stick you in a hotel room and make you pay for it. So therefore, if you travel, it's your fault. Well, that's a long Mm -hmm. stretch, Will, to say... So we do that with kids. We say, here are the consequences, and if you break them, it's your fault. And no kid ever liked that argument either. Yeah, but the kid doesn't have a pandemic looming over them. Well... A lot of this relies on how severe you think the pandemic actually is. It does. And that's where that's where the divide exists. But well, not we don't really. Need... The divide exists on how much um, strength are we giving our federal government to control us? Well, you know what? If the people could do it themselves, I would probably be a lot more upset about the government stepping in to do things. But we seem absolutely incapable of respecting a pandemic as a nation. I'm talking about Canada. I'm not even talking about the States. I mean, as Canadians, we seem incapable. Like, look at all the spring breakers that just shut BC down again. Like, (laughs) we seem incapable of doing it ourselves. And so the government's like, well, I guess we have to do it. And I don't like that. I don't like they have to do it. I don't like how they're doing it. But we seem incapable of doing it ourselves. And so a parent or parental figure, or in this case, a federal government is stepping in and being like, okay, well, here we go. I don't like it. And I wish there was some other way we could do it, but we seem to not be able to take the self-responsible way of doing it and treat the pandemic properly. You give a lot of a lot of leeway. I do to the federal government, who has never, in the history of any federal government on this side of the ocean, mm-hmm. has ever had the interest of its population at mind. Its interests are in its own existence. And that's a little bit of an extreme. I know that's a little bit of an extreme statement. I would would argue that maybe the tippy top feels that way. I would argue the majority of government is in existence for its own existence. There is nobody who looks at the GST in Canada, which is only going to be here for five years, and it's 40 years later or 30 years later, it's still around. It says, oh, yeah, they did that for our good. No government. Wouldn't need that if we could make the rich people pay their taxes. Yeah, yeah, nice try. Who who do you think pays the majority (laughs) of the GST? Oh, right. Business Uh, owners. Me. Business owners. I mean, some of them do, yeah. Small business owners. I would rather the price go down for the business owners, the small business owners, and have the rich people pay more. (laughs) Said every poor person everywhere. Uh, I mean, yes, I'm poor, but no, it's, 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 this is a, this is a differentiation between me and the rest of the left. I don't think the taxes or the tax rate needs to go up. I just think we need to close all the loopholes and make them actually pay the taxes. (laughs) Raising them does no good if they're not paying them. I'm going to, I'm not going to get, it sucked (laughs) into that argument again, although I do want to leave it with this little tidbit. You were saying if we give the government more money, it will handle it smarter. No. I so am let's, just saying... So let's give the government more money. I'm not, I'm not saying I want to give the government more money. Yes, what you I'm just saying, said. You said you want them to pay more taxes. No, I want them to pay their taxes. So let's give the government more money. Okay. It's, this is the same <laughs> argument we use with the carbon tax. Okay? Oh, oh if, you, if, you, if you use a carbon tax to tax corporations, right? Yes. 
the corporations are going to roll that cost into the consumer and the consumer is going to put the bill. Yes. The government is going to get its money one way or another. They're either going to raise the taxes unilaterally or they're going to raise the taxes in the rich, both of which are not going to do a lot, or they can just make the rich people pay their taxes. And so hopefully the government could stop asking for more taxes if they were actually receiving oh, the tax money they were supposed well, to. I can appreciate I think that you said hopefully. I can, I can appreciate yeah, the fact hopefully. that Hopefully. Because one way or another, the government's going to wring its country for its pennies, one way or another. And so I would rather they try to get it out of the rich people who could probably spare the money than out of me who cannot. So we covered this in an early episode a while ago, the carbon tax idea. Can I mention my fusion? You remember that argument? Fusion. Yeah, my car. Oh, yeah. So I owned a Ford Fusion and it's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. And I did it for wholly economical reasons mm-hmm. as I drive a lot. So it saved me money on gas. thought mm-hmm. that's a win-win. A, it's a win for the environment apparently because I don't use as much gas even though the batteries, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. the lithium mines, et cetera. But also I'll save money on gas. Until I went and I went to renew my registration. So in the state of Washington, we have a carbon tax on gas. It's mm-hmm. one of the highest in the nation. And the, mm-hmm. the purpose of, of the carbon tax is so we'll use less gas. We'll drive less. That's the whole purpose of mm-hmm. carbon tax. That is its foundation. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to renew my tabs on my car or in Canada, my registration, and I had a surcharge of $75 a year for the driving an electric vehicle in lieu of gas tax. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah. They have that in BC. They have that in numerous states which have carbon mm-hmm. carbon taxes. Well, I hate the carbon tax. I think it's redonkulous. I think it's stupid. So the, so the argument that you give the money more money, it will become more efficient and it will do great uh, things with not it. Not more efficient and not do great things with it. I just hope they could do more and tax me less they're like i said they're, they're just like corporations are going to get their money they're not going to end up paying much in the long short long in, in the long game because they're just going to roll it into their cost to the consumer the government's going to squeeze us for more money collectively one way or another i would rather they get it from the people who are already avoiding paying their taxes as opposed to squeezing it out of the general populace the squeezing is going to happen regardless Yes. I would just rather it happen to people who can afford the squeezing <laughs> or who have been avoiding the squeeze because they have enough money to get away from being squeezed in the first place. So I had a friend of mine. He was a very wealthy, well, I say a very wealthy man. He was a, he was a millionaire for sure, I would assume. And he, mm. he used to say to me and to, and to your uncles, he used to say, I, I love tax time. He, he said, the more I pay, it means I made more. Hmm. And he never argued. He never used the loophole. He he paid the full tax rate. As he said, that is, he said, if I make more, I pay more in tax. And mm-hmm. he didn't care. He did not care. He didn't use any, and he was a millionaire. And he was also one of the stingiest people I've ever known. And <laughs> he never gave a dime to anybody. So it was a thing he paid his taxes as he never helped anybody anywhere. <laughs> so it probably was just as well. 
But I think yeah. you're going to find that the majority of the wealthy would much rather work in the with the Salvation Army or homeless shelters or age in Africa or you know work what? on vaccine research. <laughs> they have they have they have a lot of work to do then to repair their image in the court of public opinion before they can do that and, and get the appropriate brownie points. Like I see what you're saying and in a perfect world, I would like that too. If we could take whatever they were supposed to be paying in taxes every year. And if they could say, Hey, we gave it to this, this, and this charity instead, or to this, this, and this school district or, or whatever it may be to help with infrastructure, to help with, with, just helping their nation in general. It's in the news every day. We just, we don't see it because it doesn't make good headlines. But because the majority of viewers are middle class and they want them to pay more taxes. But I don't think that they're actually giving the amount they would need to pay in taxes. I don't for a moment believe that when our tax rate here, let's say my income taxes arbitrarily, I'll say 30%, right? I don't for a minute believe that any billionaire anywhere is paying 30% in taxes in his chair in his charitable donations. Bill Gates is probably I don't even think that Bill Gates gives 30% of his annual income or, or or whatever on charity. And Bill Gates is like I say, he is king philanthropy. I don't think for a minute that he gives that much, not even close. This is a topic for another episode because I do want to delve mm-hmm. into this. Oh, yeah. Back to hating Tucker Carlson. Screw Tucker Carlson. Yes. <laughs> okay. I have to give a little story before we wrap up here, guys. I had mm-hmm. I texted William this afternoon and said, hey, I'm running running up behind with your mother's podcast. I said, would you, <laughs> uh, would you do the thumbnail for YouTube and for the, for the webpage? And he says, yep. So I'm surfing YouTube the other day, getting a clip for your mother, and I see the see the thumbnail. It says it says Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. So I, text, I was trying to remain neutral. Okay? So I text you up, and I'm like, "What kind of <laughs> inflammatory headline is that? Flame away!" <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Geez, man, put some pepper on it." You don't like him, make it say that for crying out loud. I don't like him either, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> I think he's, I think he is an, a, a very good actor. I think he is very good at his job. I don't think he is, has a good a grasp on, on, um, what's the word I want? I don't think he holds the truth very near to his heart. I think he holds ratings very near to his heart. Yes, that we can agree. But I believe that he says what a lot of folks want to hear and agree with. And that is where we differ. Yeah. Because you're saying that all of them are hearing the wrong thing. All of them are hearing what they want to hear, and it's dangerous. And I'm saying that... No. Well, I mean, the the extremists are hearing what they want to hear, but they're hearing it and they feel supported by him or by his show, rather. Not necessarily him personally. They feel supported by his show. 
and he could put a lot of work or his show could put a lot of work into distancing itself from extremists that it doesn't do. And I would it say that them. you did the very thing with Tuck, with John Oliver when you messaged me and you said, hey, dad, I just watched a John Oliver episode and it reminded me of why I hate Tucker Carlson. Is your, you're it was using an episode about Tucker Carlson. Oh, my camera. Oh, and mine just died. Are we going to need a part two here? I'm thinking so. <laughs> my camera just died a, too. We might need to schedule a Tucker Carlson part two. Okay, I'm back. I don't know about you, but I'm back. <clears throat> yeah, we might need a Tucker Carlson part two or or uh, television ideology or television rhetoric part two. I think that might be a horrible idea to have. <sighs> See, it's 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 rolling down a lot to I don't know how to word this properly. He's pandering to an audience and all the pandering is coming with an it's it's born of a nugget of truth. And that's kind of the for me, I view it as the insidious part is that he's taking that nugget of truth and warping it into something awful, whereas you see it as it's a nugget of truth and he's just building off of it. Hey, we're am back. I, am, I, am, I, am I encapsulating that right? I think so. I, I think that it, it is a... Uh, to be honest, I didn't hear everything you said because I had to go and reboot my camera. Okay, quick recap. But I heard uh, I think, yeah, I think that his nugget of truth is being twisted and you think that it's just being built upon. Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll go with that. that. <laughs> if you want more, uh, more in-depth... Uh, coverage of of that watch the episode there you go well after all all the technical difficulties i think we should call it a night will i think tonight's been productive well i think we found something we really really disagree on had a hard time finding common ground yeah (laughs) we agreed on two things i think uh yeah John Oliver is funny. Yep. And Tucker Carlson, uh, neither one of us like him. No. So we agreed on those two things, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The level of, of dislike for Tucker Carlson might be a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know what? This, uh, this, this is purely opinion-based. This, this is getting purely into my own, uh, uh, my own kind of rhetoric. Uh, when it comes to, to, to liking or disliking personalities and whatnot, you always have kind of like, it's inevitable that their physical characteristics and like the way they carry themselves and talk and everything. I can't speak to Tucker Carlson's actual quality of character. However, I may infer it based on how he he, he is on his show, but there's a rating that I use for people that I don't like. And it's the punchability rating. (laughs) Just how punchable does Tucker Carlson look? (laughs) And really, honestly, He's really high up that scale. I don't know why. I can't pinpoint it. All I know is that I look at if Tucker Carlson were to be like talking like that, like the way that that kind of condescending tone to me in person, I would want to punch him a lot. <laughs> I give him a solid eight on the punchability <laughs> scale. So here's the thing, Will, is I don't know of anybody on the left who I would rank on that <laughs> scale. Maybe the Young Turks. 
Oh yes. Oh, I'm not a fan dude, of the Turks, but they're definitely. But there are a number mm, of yeah. people on the right who I would give high rating. <laughs> I'm not a high fan rating. of Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh, good oh. lord, rest his soul. I'm not a or fan the, of what's the name that started the blaze. What's his name? Glenn Beck. You, you used to love him. Yeah, Glenn Beck. Oh, he's he's a solid seven. Oh, is he? Especially with his especially with his new glasses, I'd punch him. Yep. See, I like Glenn Beck. I, I like the old Glenn Beck and the new Glenn Beck. I'm not a fan of in the middle. There's about eight to ten years where I thought he was just weird. Yeah, but he I was. think I agree with him with a lot of the stuff. He was not a fan of Trump. Or, I agree or, with him or about Bill O'Reilly. That. Look at Bill O'Reilly. I'd punch Bill O'Reilly. See, I never really liked him. <laughs> Except for his his episodes with Dennis Miller, I liked. Well, yeah, those are great. <laughs> and Dennis Miller is another is a great example of somebody on the right who I really, really look up to, and yet he is a John Oliver. And you yeah. would not yeah, agree I, with ninety percent of what he says. Yeah, you can see, like honestly, I love John Oliver, and he's funny. Also punchable. Oh, is he? Oh, <laughs> he's, he's also punchable. I think no. he, I think he's hilarious. But no, I don't think he's punchable. I think he's funny. I, ah, I think he he is funny. He highlights issues in how we view things. Mm-hmm. Now he slants it. Yes, absolutely. And, still issues that need need addressing, though. And all I wish for those of you who who rank a Tucker Carlson high on your list of punchabilities. <laughs> is give him uh, the grace that I give to John Oliver, who goes against almost everything I hold true, and yet I just look at him as he's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And those of you who look at Carlson and say, ah, he's dangerous, it's because he doesn't agree, and you don't like how he gets there. And there's a lot of folks on the right who look at John Oliver and say, yeah, no, he's dangerous. And I don't agree with either <laughs> viewpoint. I don't agree with either one, but it's one of those that I think, hey, hey, I think we can leave it at that. You're on yeah. your own next week. <laughs> yes, I am. Next week. Okay. Because uh, for those I of you who are, I'm going on holidays. Yeah. For those of you who are, are going to tune in next week, uh, we're going to do a live show and it's going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be learning, uh, um, what's we're looking for? Vocabulary. Yeah, it's be vocabulary, vocabulary lesson. Yeah, gender vocabulary. We'll call it that. Gender vocabulary. So it's going to be exploring gender vocabulary with Will. Uh, I'm going to try and promote it a little heavier because I'm hoping for a lot more audience participation in it because that'll make it go over a lot smoother and we can have questions and I can I will be do participating. my best to provide answers. I will be yeah. commenting. <laughs> so it's just going to be a live show with Will. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, my first time running a live show. So uh, it may be a little bit, ro- little bit rocky, but we'll do the best we can. I'm looking forward to it. I was on the phone with Daryl the other day, a friend of mine, and he's coming on holidays with us. And we're going to be watching it together. And he'll be... Oh, boy. He'll be typing comments on his phone, and I'll be typing comments on my computer. Great. That's right. We're going to get the view count up because there will be three of us watching that night. Your mom and me and (laughs) Daryl. Perfect. Tell all your friends. That's right. Okay, guys. Well, it's been a long episode again this week. So, William, do you have any words of wisdom for our viewers? Stay safe and don't die.